You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are previewing the upcoming volleyball season, and it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast one of my favorite people, Coach Dave Shondell. Coach, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, about some things I love, which is Annie Drews and Purdue Volleyball. So it should be a good time. It should be. I love uh, having you on the podcast last year. and Actually, just a few months ago since uh, you guys did a kind of more of a spring season last year. But as we right. get back to hopefully more normal, uh, looking forward to talking about this upcoming exciting season you guys ahead of, ahead of you. But like you mentioned, Annie Drews, let's talk before we jump into the season. Let's talk about Annie. What a fabulous couple of weeks as we got to watch her help lead the team really to uh, capturing the gold medal. Talk about just watching that all unfold. Well, it was a, just a special moment, I think, for anybody associated with our volleyball program, whether you're an alumni or a fan or certainly a, a coach, but to see uh, for the first time ever uh, an Indiana player make the Olympic team was quite the, the accomplishment. And then to see Annie, uh, who really had kind of owned that starting position for a while, and then Jordan Thompson, a, a younger player out of Cincinnati, just playing out of her mind, it had kind of uh, earned that spot away from Annie. But then when Jordan uh, twisted her ankle in the middle of the third match, uh, it was just great to see how well Annie, um, you know, responded and maintained her composure. And as you mentioned, was, was as good as anybody on that team uh, to lead the Olympic, uh, to lead the Americans to an Olympic gold medal. Um, it, it couldn't have played out any better, you know, really for, uh, for me or uh, anybody associated with Purdue. So it was, it was a great, great experience. And uh, just to know that for her, her future, you, know, you can't take a gold medal away from somebody. Yeah. I mean, she's always going to be a gold medal uh, winner. And uh, we're eager to get her back on campus so she can kind of uh, receive some of the uh, attention she deserves. But she's getting married, uh, oh, I think in uh, mid-September. Yeah. And so um, uh, she's got a lot going on. So we're not sure exactly <laughs> when we're going to be able to get her on campus where she can you know, receive some of the accolades that she's, she deserves. Yeah, she's got a lot going on in life right now, for sure. And, what, and did, have you got a chance to talk to her since uh, they captured the gold yet? Yes, had a few uh, at least uh, text conversations back and forth with her. She's back home. She's, uh, she and her fiance have just recently uh, bought a home in Southern California, not too far from the training center in Anaheim, which is where she'll continue to be for a long time. She, uh, for, for these gals that play on the, uh, the national team, they train with the USA team uh, after they get done with their professional season. So the professional season runs pretty much from late fall uh, through spring, and then they, they train for the entire summer with the national team, the USA team. So they, they get very few breaks and I'm, I'm sure that uh, coach Karch I will give them a little bit of a break this year after the, the win, uh, the gold medal win, but she is busy and getting married on top of that will even complicate the whole uh, situation. Yeah, for sure. And going back, you were right. I mean, she just dominated once she yeah, took over for Jordan. Like it was just amazing just watching her how high she can jump and that left-handed spike, which is, it was awesome watching all those games as they, like we said, capture gold. That was really cool. Well, uh, a, a reporter from uh, the area reminded me that when she was playing at Purdue, 
I referred to her as having a bionic arm, <laughs> meaning that it was just beyond expectations that she just could swing and swing and swing and just go forever with this arm that was uh, incredible. And I think that the world saw that arm that I was talking about during the Olympics, because I have not seen a woman attack the ball with the velocity that she attacks the ball with and just fearless. Yeah. And to think that, you know, she came off the bench for, for two and a half matches. She sat and watched someone else play her position. And then in the drop of a hat, she has to go in and perform. And I was nervous for her. I thought, how is she going to respond to this? Will she come in and have confidence and, and, and play with great purpose? Or will she be, you know, a little bit on her heels? Well, she answered that question yeah. really quickly. And then as impressive, Adam, was when they, they, they beat Turkey in that first match in a five-setter, which was a really important win for them because uh, Turkey had been playing very well. And they interviewed Annie uh, after that match. And I'm sure you can find that interview if you get on uh, Google. But she was as good in the interview as she was playing in the match. I was just so proud of, of her calm and demeanor and the poise that she showed and the message that she shared in, in that interview. It, it just uh, gave me goosebumps. And it's just something I'll never forget to see on, on national TV. Then right after she gets done playing, wasn't expected to play, and then is the star of the match and how calm she was and talked about the value of uh, the team. And it's all about the team. And when things get tough, they just look at each other and believe in each other. And, and I think every high school coach and college coach in America is probably showing that clip to yeah. their team because it was such a valuable message. How cool is that? You got to coach her in college. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty neat. It's, uh, it, it certainly is uh, one of the shiny moments of, of my career. And all I did was sit on the couch and watch her, you know, during the Olympics. So it was a pretty neat thing. Yeah, but that's cool. I mean, you got to you scout her in high school and then you got to see her develop through Purdue and out and win the school. That's that's really awesome. Thank you just kind of for sharing and reflecting on that. That was that was a fun to watch the last couple of weeks uh, during the Olympics. Uh, uh, moving forward uh, to uh, the season. Well, actually, let's jump back a little bit last season. Last season was weird because obviously it was the spring season. It's a pandemic. It was a, a conference only season before you made a, a really awesome magical run in the, uh, the tournament. Just kind of looking back on last year. You know, just reflect on that for a minute. Just a time of growth for everybody involved, um, everybody in, in the world. You know, yeah. this nobody escaped this. I mean, everybody in the world has dealt with this. And I think that, uh, you know, those that accepted uh, the opportunity to deal with it in a positive way um, had that chance to, to grow and benefit from that experience. And we're not out of the woods yet, obviously. And ha we haven't totally... Um, gotten past this uh, this pandemic, but um, I, I just like the way that our team handled the situation, um, and uh, we didn't miss a single match because we were sick. Uh, we missed the matches because another team was sick, but not because of us uh, or practices for that matter. Once the thing really got rolling, so I was just proud of how our, our team um, dealt with the situation, and because of that, I think. You know, we had a very successful season. It wasn't as as good as we had, had hoped. You know, we went to the Elite Eight, as you've mentioned, and then lost to the eventual national champion. And as I told our team, you know, three days ago, uh, in that match against Kentucky, who won the, the national championship and was the talk of the, the volleyball community, in the first set, we're up 22-20. In the second set, we're up 21-20. 
and yet, you know, we lost that match and everybody forgot about us, which is good. You know, nobody should be thinking about us because we didn't win the match, but we have everybody back from that team mm -hmm. and uh, some freshmen that are going to also contribute. So uh, we're excited. Uh, it's a new, a new season. And that's what some, I guess, novice fans may not understand is that just because you have a lot of your players back, um, nothing's given in the right. Big Ten or in NCAA athletics. You have to go out and and uh, regroup and and improve once again um, that you can compete at the highest level, which is what the Big Ten is. It's the highest level of volleyball in America. Yeah, for sure. I was gonna, I want to ask you. Obviously, losing is never a good, <laughs> never fun. I should say, uh, but does it help at all? You know, I know it might be different from a, a, a fan standpoint, like myself versus a coach like yourself. The team you lost to eventually won the national championship. Does that help ease that at all? Or you're like, well, at least we lost the national champions. I mean, does that even play in your mind at all? Oh, I think if you're looking for some sense of comfort, it can it can help a little bit. But at the end of the day, you got beat. Um, and, uh, um, you know, it, it, any way you look at it, it's still a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll go back and look at that tape, I'm sure, a time or two during this season to help our players understand. But I, I think losing always sends a message. I mean, you know, I, I, I was just watching a quote the other day where, you know, you don't have to lose to, to learn, which is true. But I think you learn a lot faster and a lot more clear uh, yeah. when, when you get beaten. You know, we had lost a match to Illinois, our last match of the regular season going into the NCAA tournament. We lost a, like 15, 13 in the fifth set after we had beaten Illinois like a drum, beat them like a drum the night before and then had to play them again. And they, they responded very well and beat us. And I think that that was a wake up call, you know, Hey, you know, just because you, you had beaten some really good teams doesn't mean you're going to beat everybody. And so that helped prepare us, I think, for going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned uh, all the players returning all 17 plus the four freshmen, including Newton and Otekwa who will come back for a fifth year because of the COVID eligibility uh, uh, exception that the NCAA made. Let's talk about it. You said nothing's given but you got a team that's probably thirsty who has tasted the elite eight last year. Plus, you know, four uh, talented freshmen coming in, talk about uh, this, this team for this year. Well, I, I talked to Mike Bobinski, our uh, athletics director who stopped in the, uh, the gym, I guess it is my office kind of <laughs> stopped by our gym today. And uh, I told him, I said, I've never had a bigger challenge in my life than dealing with 21 capable players uh, on a volleyball team and to help your listeners understand what that means is normally you might have 15 to 16 players on your roster and now you have 21 partially because of COVID partially just because we we're going to have a big roster uh, to begin with um, with the two super seniors uh, grad students returning but to, for our team to manage this situation is going to take a special effort uh, maturity discipline versatility, flexibility, um, selflessness to, to make this happen. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a monumental effort. And we're not the only program in that same position. There's a lot of programs that have all of a sudden a couple, three players that are, that, that are coming back that they didn't expect. And that's going to uh, add more competition. But our, our way of dealing with that is, is that we're going to have the most competitive gym in the country. Mm -hmm. We want to have that kind of a culture where every day we walk in and people are fighting for their opportunity to play. Yeah. And there's not a thing wrong with that. And we didn't have 21. Uh, I shared this 
uh, with, with my team, I think, think it's okay to share. But uh, I have a younger brother who's my associate head coach. He's 12 years younger than me. I was, the, I was a youngster in our family. And then John came along, much to everybody's surprise. And, uh, but we're all sure glad he came along. You know, and it probably wasn't planned that we had John. My mom and dad necessarily weren't planning that, but here he came and he's been a delight in our, in our family. And it's kind of like this year, we didn't plan to have 21, but at the end of the day, we're going to be happy. We had everybody on this team because they're all going to contribute to our success. And um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we had our, just a great practice this morning. Um, the, the, the key word that one of the key words we're using today is we're going to, is, is combustion. We're going to create combustion every day in, in practice. And we just want to see how much fuel we can create, you know, and, and energy we can create in that, in that gym every day. Because if we do that, then there's no way we can't have a great season. Yeah. It, it will just, it will happen if we just go in every day and just find out how much energy and fuel we can put together to, to create something special. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would assume it also creates competition when you got 21 competing for what, five or six spots on the floor at one time. Uh, you know, I assume that also creates, I know it's a challenge for you <laughs> putting the, the best uh, five or six out there or whatever, but uh, also I assume creates competition among uh, the girls to, to get better, right? Yeah, it does. And, and I think that's where leadership comes to play, uh, both from a coaching staff, but from your own individual players is that when, we, when uh, Jenna Otek and Caitlin Newton um, opted to come back, our conversations were very serious that their role becomes increasingly more important and that it may not be the same as it was the year before, that they're going to have to lead the way by showing um, that they can, they can maybe not play a particular match and, and, and be happy about it, you know, and feel, feel like they're, they're being a good teammate by not uh, being concerned that they're not in the lineup or they're not playing the spot that they normally would have played. And so everybody's got to give a little bit yeah. this year, more than what they might have in the past. Sure. You mentioned Newton and Otak, of course, Another uh, very important player coming back, Grace Cleveland, who just had her banner hung up there in Holloway, uh, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago. Let's talk about the importance of having yep. her back this year as well. Well, I, I talked to her the, uh, this morning at practice, and I said, do you realize how much better you are right now than you were last year when they named you first team All-American? And she said, yeah. She said, mentally, I'm a lot better. Hmm. And, uh, you know, she had come off of that um, case of um, – mono and didn't play the first four matches of the season and really probably never got back to a hundred percent. You don't bounce back from mono and our season was, was shorter than usual last year with just 20 regular season matches. And now she's had all that an extra five, six, seven months, whatever it's been since April. I, I'm not very good with math on the, on the fly, but, uh, and she looks different. She bounces different, you know, jumps different, hits the ball different. So uh, she will be better than what she was in the past. And I think every, every single one of our players are going to be better. And again, that's the good news. The bad news is Wisconsin, Nebraska, Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, they're all in the same boat. They've all got these players coming back and they're all, all their players are bigger and stronger and they've all got freshmen that are going to make them uh, even, even better than that. So it's, yeah, it's good news for us, but it's good news for everybody that, that this year, probably the Big Ten will be more mature, more physical and more competitive than ever before. As I say, yeah, Big Ten is arguably the toughest conference in the uh, country, volleyball wise. Uh, and last year, just played a conference only schedule this year, got some non-conference this year. I uh, just talk about the benefit of having that before going into that tough conference play. 
Yeah, you know, I think non-conference for Big Ten teams used to be designed to ease into the conference schedule, certainly uh, play some good teams um, to prepare you for what you're going to get into in the, in the league, but also a chance to play different people and, and, and learn a few things and give opportunities. But with the RPI, which is the you know, mathematical metric that they use to determine who gets in the NCAA tournament, you have to schedule super tough because if you schedule a bunch of patsies that, that win five matches on the year, then you're going to have a hard time making the NCAA tournament or having a good seed. So we have scheduled a really strong uh, non-conference, pre, pre-conference uh, schedule. And because of that, um, it's going to be hard just to pass out playing time um, for people just so you can give them the opportunity. The opportunities are going to come in practice for people to prove whether or not they belong on the floor. And that our players get that. It doesn't mean they're not going to be disappointed if they're not getting playing time because that's what competitors do. Uh, but they have to accept the situation and be a great teammate. But our non-conference slate uh, will be challenging. And I think it's perfect for us to get a good RPI at the end of the day. Talk about some of uh, the strengths going into the season, besides bringing all of the whole team back. <laughs> well, I, I think in, in volleyball, we refer to skill positions as your ball control players and your setter. Uh, sometimes the, the blockers and the hitters are, are considered just physical power players, but the, I mean, there's skill involved in everything, but certainly our, our passers led by Otek, Marissa Hornan, uh, Maddie Skimmerhorn, Caitlin Newton, um, Emma Terwilliger, a freshman that's coming in by the name of Allie Horning, Mo's younger sister, and even Ava Torrance and, and Savannah Chacon. We have like seven ball control players that are really good. I don't think anybody in the nation has a better crew of passers and defenders than we do. So that's kind of the building block. And, and that there's not a better place to start a volleyball team than with the ball control people. It's kind of like in basketball having, you know, great, you know, ball, you know, ball handlers who are going to be able to get the ball. Your guards have got to be really, really good if you want to advance in, in NCAA tournament play. And so I think that we're going to be able to run our offense because Haley Bush, who is our setter returning for her fourth season, is going to be able to get to every ball because our passers will, will make that job easy for her. But then Haley Bush is another key, you know, all Big Ten player from a year ago that uh, is one of the fiercest competitors that we've ever had at Purdue. And players respond very well to her and, and you know, she makes them go. And then the key is, can we get better offensively? Last year out of the, the 14 teams in the Big Ten, I think our offense efficiency was sixth in the Big Ten. Defensively, we were at the top of the, the league, but offensively, we were not quite where we needed to be. So we're going to work really hard during this non-conference time and, and preseason time to build on that. And there's really no reason we shouldn't be better. We just need to really pay more attention to that. Another year of experience will make that happen. Uh, but, you know, Grace Cleveland's going to be big on that. Uh, Caitlin Newton, well, obviously, is, is what you consider a horse in the lineup, somebody that carries a, a lot of the load for you. Um, J.L. Johnson will, will be, the, the, you know, one of the leading middles. But we've got four really capable middles, maybe even five, where last year we had two that were healthy. We had two middles that could play, and they had to play every match. If we'd have gotten somebody hurt, we'd have had to move Grace Cleveland from the right side position into the middle. Because um, last year, Lourdes Myers uh, could not play. She had a, a lower leg injury, couldn't play. She's back and looks great. 
uh, Raven Colvin, who's coming from Heritage Christian University, that's a name that everybody should recognize, Roosevelt Colvin's daughter, um, is uh, a tremendous athlete that jumps out of the gym and competes like crazy. And then Molly Brown is another middle that grew a lot during the past season as a, uh, would have been a redshirt freshman, but everybody's a redshirt last year because you don't lose, you didn't lose a year of eligibility, but that area is going to be really important. And then the continued development of, of three players, uh, Maddie Cook, Maddie Chin and Emma Ellis, who are going to be juniors. Now they're already going to be juniors and they've kind of all filled one spot. And I think uh, they're tired of filling one spot. They'd like to play more. Uh, than what they've been playing. So um, I think that um, that offensive development is going to be a key. And I think we'll see that happen because when our coaching staff makes up our mind, we're going to do something, we normally find a way to get it done. Right on. You, uh, you've had a couple practices under your belt now. Do you like what you're seeing? And, and just kind of briefly talk about uh, goals or expectations this year for yourself. Yeah, the, the things that we wanted to see was just great effort, great attitude and, and get better every day and, and, and not be focused on yourself all the time, but be focused on what's best for the team. And the maturity of this group is, is off the chart. I mean, it's it's unlike anything I've ever been around. I know it's only three days, but it's a unique situation. And our, our athletes are responding the way that, you know, we, we hope that they would. And now we, we're not playing yet. So when you start playing and all of a sudden, you know, maybe 10 of those 21 players aren't getting on the floor as much as they want, then all of a sudden you've got to, you know, uh, hope that they're going to respond the way you want to then as well. But so far they've responded in a terrific manner and uh, they care about each other. And it's just incredible amount of positivity and, and great work ethic. And they know that they know they can be special this year. I mean, there's a feeling out there that, this is, this is unlike probably any team we've ever had. We've always knew we could be potential Final Four team. Uh, but I think this group, based on, you know, a good finish last year and having everybody back and the growth that we've got, there, there, there's a pretty unique feeling that, that's running through the thread of this team right now. Definitely an exciting time. Hey, and talk about excitement uh, and strengths. I think a, a, a huge strength to your team is the fans and the crowd. You didn't have that last year. You know, as long as things continue to progress as they are, We'll have that back this year, including the boiler block, which I saw sold out in less than four hours uh, a couple of weeks ago. Let's talk about all that, having that back and your fans in the stands there. Well, one of the best things about our environment are our student fans. As, as you know, if you when anybody that's been to our match is taken back by the fact that our, our students are a choreographed group and they have cheers for every one of our players and they have cheers for the team and um, every every night we know we're going to have 400 students down at that far end that are going to be cheering this team on and um, it will be no different this year as you mentioned they sold that block party out in in about three and a half hours which was something that really um, permeated to, to me that man they're back you know we're going to have those people here again and 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 we love all of our fans uh, but those student fans make more noise than than the average fan and uh, they get fired up but the community fans, um, that, that group has grown tremendously. We sold, when we've sold out every season ticket that they had available, those, there, will, there will still be some day, you know, game day tickets available. But for the most part, we know we're going to sell out every single match that we play. That's a great recruiting tool to have a kid come on campus and say, we sell out every match. Now, we don't play in a you know, 14,000 seat facility. We hold about 2,500. Uh, but it feels like 5,000 mm -hmm. when you're in there because the, the, the noise is at a very high level. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we're in a good place with, yeah. with everything in our program right now. But certainly 
uh, making sure our fans come out and realize that they're difference makers in that gym. It's, it's a, it's a great home court advantage. There are very few places in America that I think can impact uh, a match like our gym can. And so we need uh, those fans and some of these students are going to be new, they're freshmen. And so they're going to have to pick up really fast their, how valuable their role is in helping us win matches. Yeah, and even some sophomores who didn't get to go last year as well. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, they were. They, we didn't have them last year, and I tried. I even tried to pull pull a few tricks to make sure that we were going to get some of those people in there. And then I got that got nipped in the bud by people a lot higher than I am. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so this will be the first time that our students will be back in full force in in two seasons. That's gonna be awesome. Yes, yeah, uh, so my ma- uh, my calendar shows me here sixteen days, three hours, and about thirty minutes uh, from your first match against LMU on uh, the twenty seventh. Let's talk about how exciting it is to get to that day. Well, it's exciting every year, uh, it, not just this year, but every year to, to, to take a team and work with them all year round and now get freshmen that come on board. And, and, and they're so excited. I mean, getting freshmen to, uh, on your team is one of the neatest things ever because they come in with this look on their face and, and just enthusiasm that you, know, you hadn't seen for about 12 months. And then they come in and it kind of changes everything. But um, LMU, our first weekend is LMU on Friday and Kansas on Sunday. And I think both those teams have every intention of being an NCAA tournament team this season. Uh, they'll both be very good. We're not going to be able to, you know, fool around and, and, and do a lot of silly things against them. Um, and I don't think we will. I mean, I think, I think we're going to be a team that every night when we step on the floor, we're going to be good. Yeah. And with the schedule we play, we're going to have to be. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And, and I, I know our fans just, it, it will be special this year. when We come on that floor for the first time and see 2,500 people in that, in the gym. And uh, our fans need to know how much our players appreciate that. That's great. I got a, a colleague here who went to Kansas and is a big Kansas volleyball uh, fan. I don't yeah. I go up there for that game. So I might have to put a little uh, friendly uh, newsroom uh, bet on that game. Put a, yeah, put a small wager on that one. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. They'll, they'll be really good. The, yeah. Kansas will be really strong. They were great about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, they kind of took a little bit of a slip, and now they're building back up. Uh, they got a great staff and, and really good talent, and they'll, they'll come in here expecting to win. So that, that will be a, a good weekend of volleyball to get things started. Yeah, for sure. Coaches, we're wrapping up. Anything else that you want to add? No, just that uh, uh, you know, I'm excited for Purdue all sports this year to, to what's to come. That's the conversation I have with Mike is sometimes Purdue fans, they get so excited about when a team might be good that um, somehow it becomes overblown. I think that this is a year where I think we're going to have success in some sports, but let's just stay calm, sit back, and uh, and appreciate what we do have, and not not get uh, not get overly excited about it. Yeah. I think it, I think good things are going to happen, but let's not let's not uh, you know jack the jaw too much about it. Let's just let's just let the kids go out and play. And, uh, and let the fur fly, as I like to say. For sure, yeah. I've learned uh, over the last several years, especially, just never let yourself get the emotions get too high or too low. And just en- enjoy and be grateful that, you know, we're here and that we've got, you know, something to watch. <laughs> so, so well, I, I, I really feel like that Purdue puts a good product on the floor. I know that you're always going to be disappointed when, you, when you're, you're hoping to get to a bowl game or you're hoping to get to a Final Four or, or whatever it might be in different sports. But... Uh, understand this, that the athletes that I see on our campus are doing everything that they can, uh, you know, to bring glory to Purdue University. Awesome. Hey, Coach, thank you again so much. I love talking to you, and I'm excited uh, for a couple weeks from here to, to kick off the season. 
Well, I appreciate what you're doing for Purdue as well. Always positive and, and, and always bringing good things to our fans. So thank you very much. And it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Coach. And Boiler Up. Okay, Boiler Up. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.